Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. This is the second week, episode number two of Thyroid Nation Radio Talk Show Live and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz. Also known as Dana and Tiffany, bringing you the voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, and thrivers everywhere. In a few minutes, we'll be talking live with Dr. Isabella Wentz. I know that I, for one, am totally excited. I haven't gotten a chance to speak to her yet, so I cannot wait. What about you? You got anything to add to that, Tiffany, over there in California, cold California? Very excited. Cold and rainy today, mm-hmm. and very, very windy yesterday. But, yeah, beautiful day. So excited. So excited to have her on. Okay, a few things about us before we get started. If you listened to us last week, which I hope you did, you might have noticed it was our first show. We had a little few things that just, you know, didn't go so smooth, but we worked <laughs> through it, right? <laughs> One of the yes, things we did. that I didn't I didn't get to mention was the um the fact that I'm doing a great gift giveaway. It's going on through today at 6 p.m. tonight, including a couple of uh, Dr. Isabella's books. So you've got to get on my site and register to win some wonderful, like $1,700 of the free, free prizes that were donated. I didn't get to mention that. It was our one-year anniversary. I don't think we said that at all, did we, Tiffany? Last Sunday, <laughs> that's the reason we planned the show on that day, was that was the, the whole reason, and I don't think we even said it one time, which was just so bizarre. But anyway, it was my one-year anniversary for Thyroid Nation last week so we we did our show that day and happy birthday happy anniversary so now we we're over that but during that i um, wanted to offer some wonderful prizes and so i've got this great gift giveaway going on you've got to check it out you can see all the prizes if you go to thyroidnation.com there's a section that says thyroid nation radio at the top and underneath that there's all the prizes listed out how many of what books and supplements Susie cohen mary showman dr hedberg will be on next week he's got some new books coming out Lots of cool stuff, so please check it out. Let's see. What else am I missing? We want to take some time real quick. Go ahead, Dana. Go ahead. No, we want to thank the the Thyroid Nation radio team, don't we, Dana? Yes. Oh, yes. Very, very much so. These women are amazing Uh, advisors, consultants, correspondents, and most importantly, friends, uh, without whom this show would not be possible. Uh, These ladies help us spread the word, offer great questions, and most of them will probably be co-hosting a show. There is a lot that goes on behind the scenes, uh, and you all know what having thyroid disease means, brain fog, fatigue, flares. So these ladies are so critical to um, this show going well, and they have our backs and are willing and ready to jump in anytime and uh, offer questions and support, and uh, we especially want to thank them for that unconditional support. So real quick, uh, Raina Kranz, she started the Amazing Thyroid Discretion Group on Facebook. She's also a Hashimoto, hypothyroid, and personal trainer of 30 years, so very cool there. Laura Schooneman, a self-described recovering perfectionist, born helper, and book-reading fanatic. I just love that recovering perfectionist because I think you know, one thing I see that's very fluid is is that, recovering perfectionist. So I love that. She's also a first-grade teacher, 
And she has Graves and Hashimoto's, both of the antibodies there, which I don't think a lot of people realize can happen. Melissa it's possible, Phipps, right? Who, yeah. That's, like, really important to have both, you know, knowing whether both of those antibodies are there or not. So uh, Melissa Phipps, who is a Hashimoto, really important. This show is so important to her. She is misdiagnosed bipolar, uh, and she started the blog and Facebook support page um, Exposing Silver. Um, so this, this subject today hits very, very close to home for her. Blythe Clifford, which many of you know, uh, her whole family has thyroid disease. She is a Hashimoto. Her husband has Graves' disease, and her two children, I believe, were born with congenital hypothyroidism. So she has the site thyroidmom.com, especially if you have concerns about children. Um, then Penny Jensen, who runs the amazing Hashimoto um, Social Butterflies, she as well as a Hashimoto, and it's an amazing, supportive, very positive uh, Facebook group page. Sarah Downing, the infamous hypothyroid herself, blog editor. You've probably seen a lot of her articles. Uh, she's the blog editor of, of Thyroid Change and runs the Butterflies and Phoenixes at sarahjdowning.com. And her key thing is turning negatives into positives, which is so important. And then uh, Marissa Ravello. She is a Hashimoto as well herself with Lyme, pernicious anemia, MTHFR, and she runs the great Facebook group, Hashimoto's Happiness. And you can read more about all these amazing women and their bios at thyroidnation.com, Thyroid Nation Radio. So very, very cool. And uh, I think we have and someone with us, Dana. So here's a – go ahead. Do, sorry. We do. We do. We okay, do. I was just going to say, and on that page, there's also the upcoming guests. So if you want to see who's coming on next week and the week after, we've got them all the way through the end of July, all booked up every weekend. So we're really excited about that. So you can see the upcoming guests. And also you can listen to the archive shows on that page too. So thanks to everybody. Let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving, Tiffany. Yes, yes, ma'am. Okay. Today our first guest is the lovely Isabella Witz, Doctor of Pharmacy, which she received at the young age of 23. That's amazing. And member of the American Society of... 23. She's also the member of the American Cancer of Consultant Pharmacists, but we all know and love her as uh, the thyroid pharmacist. And she's also the author of the amazing number one best-selling book on Amazon, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. Everybody that I know, if you say the root cause, or hashtag the root cause, pretty much thinks of Isabella. So we are absolutely so thrilled to have her on the show with us today. Everybody, please welcome Isabella Wentz. Hi, Isabella. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear us all right? Yeah. Hi, Dana. Hi, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> Woohoo! We're so, I'm where, so excited where to be on the show. Where are you? Are you stateside right now? Are you far off and somewhere else? Are you close by? I'm in snowy Boulder, Colorado. I wish I was in Costa Rica, though, with you. I'm on the, I'm the <laughs> beach right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually, you know, it's it's funny because you say that, but I know I, I both of you know I was in Colorado for, for three weeks over the holidays. Your body kind of misses it. You know, nobody feels sorry for me, but... <laughs> the weather here is 24-7 beautiful. It's, it's the same weather, but your body misses it. Your body misses the seasons. So you say that, and you'd wish you were on the beach, but 
your body does really miss it. So I am, I envy you and all the snow. I know, I know, don't feel sorry for me, but still, I really, truly do. And I love the snow and all the stuff you get to do. So I know, I know it's kind of cool being up there, you know, skiing and all that kind of stuff. Oh, how does that feel with you, by the way, your, your body? How's that? Because you work the somewhere cold, else. Yeah. How are you doing in the cold? Yeah. You know, it feels pretty nice because we get a lot of sunshine. So, and the snow melts. It'll it'll be on the ground, and then it'll melt, melt a few days later. I actually got to do snow angels the other day, so that was really exciting. I haven't made those since I was a kid. <laughs> That's, That's pretty cool. cool. So you, I, I you know, real quick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I go definitely ahead. do a lot more soups and stews this time of year when it, when there's snow on the ground, and just really comforting foods to to keep myself warm. <laughs> that is kind of odd was for one... me eating soups here. <laughs> it's kind of weird. You're right. <laughs> I, I can imagine it feels really good there, but yeah, here it's a uh, here when I do soups and stuff, it, it's kind of strange because you get a little hot. So that, that's kind of <laughs> cool, nice and comforting. Dana, what's the average temperature down there? Does it run like 75 or closer to 90? Or it's about 78 year round. It's very wow. very wonderful. It is. Yeah, I know. Don't I know? Don't no sneezing. Okay, let's. Let's get into let's get into Isabella. Please tell me and, and all of the listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in. By the way, tell us about your story. I know your story, and uh, so many others do, but I'm sure there's plenty that don't. So tell us, tell us about your thyroid journey, Isabella. You know, it started probably long, long before I was actually diagnosed. Like for many people, I um, you know I remember going with my mom to an endocrinologist when I was little because she thought my thyroid was enlar- enlarged. And then I didn't really have a lot of symptoms until I got to be in my first year of undergrad, and I got mono. And after that point, I just could not wake up. I was exhausted all the time. I was sleeping for, you know, 14 hours a night. And eventually that got a little bit better, but then I developed irritable bowel syndrome. And then, you know, slowly but surely, my my health just started deteriorating. So I got the irritable bowel syndrome, and then I started getting panic attacks and then my hair started falling out and I got acid reflux and it was like all of these little things happening that were not like cancer or nothing you know really really serious I would go to the doctor and they would tell me that oh you know honey you're probably stressed out you're you know you're in college you're you're in grad school you're under a lot of stress and of course I was under a lot of stress for sure and I was studying a lot and you know drinking diet coke for every meal um, so I'm sure that contributed as well but it just it got to the point where, you know, I had been working as a pharmacist for a few years and I was having all of these symptoms and at that point I knew a lot more about, um, you know, medicine and how the human body should be than I did as an undergrad or even during pharmacy school, having worked with patients myself in chronic conditions. And so I just kept pushing on and kept looking for different doctors that would finally give me the answer. And I, in about 2009, I was finally diagnosed with Hashimoto's and subclinical hypothyroidism. So um, all this time, you know, every year I had been going to doctors and saying I was really tired or I was really anxious and they would want to put me on basically antidepressants or stimulants or, you know, basically psychotropic medications. And I didn't want to do that because I knew about all the different potential side effects of the medications and I didn't really feel like that was you know, the cause with me. I was like, well, I'm pretty happy. I'm just really tired. So, you know, I don't think this is something that I should take an antidepressant for. And eventually I found a doctor that actually ran my thyroid antibody 
and they found that the antibodies were in the 2,000 range, which, you know, the average person, the normal person without thyroid disease should have them somewhere below 35, and mine were like 2,000, which meant that my body was really attacking my thyroid at a very aggressive rate, and, you know, of course, I thought that was really, really scary, and I ended up seeing an endocrinologist, and I wanted to do everything in my power to help prevent the 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 disease from getting worse and maybe even reverse the disease. But nobody at the time in 2009, nobody was talking about reversing autoimmune disease. Nobody was talking about putting Hashimoto's into remission. So I kind of went on this journey of trying to figure out things I could do for myself to get myself better and, you know, get the information out there so that other people suffering could benefit from it. And that's kind of how I got on the journey of basically being a human guinea pig looking for the triggers that caused my autoimmune condition to try to figure out if I could somehow make myself, you know, feel better and prevent getting another autoimmune condition and potentially reverse Hashimoto's. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Wow. That's kind of a big nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, like a Brazil nut maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um well, it, it's just interesting that, you know, you touch on so many different things, but the part that sticks out for me, I guess, because I feel like I'm still in my 20s, is, is you were doing all those things that so many people are doing right now, and so many people in the world probably have thyroid disease and don't know about it. And you were doing all the things that kids are doing. Like, I have a niece that's at, at in college right now, and hopefully she's not drinking Diet Cokes because of aspartame and all that kind of stuff, but... But she's drinking Cokes and, and, and staying up late and, and doing all these things to, you know, to their bodies. And it's just, to me, that's amazing. I'm so glad to have the show. And I'm hopefully it will spread and people will listen just just maybe that don't know if they have thyroid disease or not. And it will help people because, really, can you imagine how many people are out there doing exactly what you did, Isabella, and, and don't know? Just like you. I mean, it's crazy. You know, absolutely. And the the other part of it is I was doing all the things that I thought were really healthy as well. So I started, my symptoms got really bad when I actually started eating whole grains and low-fat dairy. And I was doing low-fat dairy. I was doing like Greek yogurt and whey protein shakes for breakfast. And I was eating whole wheat toast sandwiches for lunch with, with I think, tuna. You know, I was doing all these things and I was exercising. I wasn't smoking. I wasn't drinking. And I felt horrible. I, you know, I, I was a healthcare professional and I wanted to be a good role model for my patients and eat whole grains. And, you know, I, I gave talks about eating whole grains and all these other things where I was actually, you know, making my condition worse. And not a lot of that information is out there. And I think that's what's really frustrating um, for a lot, of, a lot of men and women, and I know it was for me, is when they are actually health conscious and they actually do try to, uh, live a relatively healthy lifestyle, and yet they find themselves sick and feeling horrible. Well, and and you're right. I didn't mean to say, well, you know, I, I did, it, but, but, but you're right. I remember trying to eat what I thought was healthy too, but everybody is different, and, and that's kind of the point of, or everybody's point lately, is that no two bodies are the same. And I don't know, I just, it's weird because, I tried to do the same thing you did. That was the whole push. Eat whole grain foods, you know, oh, yeah. eat yogurt, right? You know, do all these kinds of things. It's all this healthy, you know, I remember thinking, I read somewhere, this is probably so silly to say, but 
as much good as Jane Fonda did back for everybody <laughs> starting this whole workout thing in the 80s, I read somewhere that that's also when the, you know, food industry started doing all the fat-free cookies and all the, and I used to think, well, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing fat-free this, mm-hmm. and I would get these little calorie-packed foods that would be Me this calorie-pack. of It's only 100 calories, right? So, right, of pure I mean, junk. <laughs> right, and, and what food is in it? I try to tell my kids all the time when you're eating things, think about how much of it is food, right, because that plays such a big role. Tiffany, are you there? Did we lose you? Are you there? She's not Uh-oh. there. She's gone. Uh-oh. We did lose her. I don't know what happened. Huh. Okay. It's just me and you for now. <laughs> I don't she know where she in? went. She can, but I don't know where she went. I wondered why she was being so quiet. I was thinking, that's totally <laughs> not like her. And this was, you know, she she wanted to, to talk so much about, you know, the mental health aspect. I know that you and I had discussed that we kind of wanted to go into that. We Start me off a little bit because I'm going to try and figure out where Tiffany's at and talk about a little bit about, you know, a little bit about the mental health and, and thyroid issues. I was asking Tiffany and we were talking earlier about the fact that, well, we can go into some details later, but a lot to do with vitamin deficiency, different than what people think, right? Will you, can you elaborate just a little bit on that while I try to you find know, my, my co-host? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the one of my big passion points is that oftentimes people get misdiagnosed with, you know, as one of one of your um, team members got misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, I've seen people who were misdiagnosed with psychotic disorders, with panic disorders, with depression, with anxiety, and all because of their little thyroid gland. And this is something that is very near and dear to my heart because I know that out there there are a lot of people that are suffering, that are going to their doctors, they're feeling anxious, they're feeling pretty horrible and basically the doctors are not testing their thyroid glands. They are just saying to them, you need to go see a psychiatrist or giving them antidepressant medications. And, you know, of course I'm a pharmacist and I'm a big believer in medications saving lives and appropriate medication use. But if you're giving somebody an antidepressant who is having an autoimmune attack on their thyroid gland, that's not really going to help the matter. That's just going to maybe mask some of the symptoms but can make some other things worse. So I actually recommend for everybody who, you know, if you have family members, if you have friends, anybody that you know that's been dealing with a mood disorder like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, you want to have them go to their doctor and be tested for Hashimoto's. And not just the TSH test, but also the thyroid antibody test. So TPO antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies. I I can't tell you how many people I have, you know, every now and then I'll repost my article about is it, you know, are you going crazy or is it your thyroid? And I get so many messages from from men and women from around the world who who are unfortunately misdiagnosed with with psychotic disorders, bipolar disorders, and put on these very heavy-duty psychotropic medications where, in fact, they had Hashimoto's. So what happens in the initial stages of the condition when the thyroid gland is first under attack by the immune system, a whole bunch of thyroid hormones get dumped into the bloodstream. And this can make a person feel very, very anxious, agitated, you know, sometimes even manic. And of course, once they're cleared out of the system, then a person may be left over with feeling, you know, having low energy or feeling unmotivated, feeling depressed. 
So this is something that I think is very much underlooked in the world of medicine nowadays, and I encourage anybody who's dealing with these symptoms to um, to talk to your doctor about doing testing for Hashimoto's. If you are well, somebody let's use that, me. Uh-huh, oh, I'm sorry ahead. to interrupt. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, let's use me as an example. I mean, I'm I'm not afraid to say I am. I, don't, I guess I was about 34 or 35. It was after my first child, Wyatt, who's now 13, and. Uh, we were having some issues with him, and he's very spirited and, and, and all of that. And so we decided to see a therapist, and the therapist kept saying to me that he wanted me to go on Zoloft, and I was just, I was against it. I didn't I didn't want to be put on medicine. I didn't like medicine, and so I just fought it for, I don't know, almost a year. Mm-hmm. And I finally, hold on, there she is. Is there she okay? Is. Yay, we can hear you now. My gosh, I don't know what happened, but you were you were missing in action. But now you're right in the middle of my story, so I'm going to just cut I you know. off. I know. Go back to Zoloft. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. Okay. I'm listening. Okay. Okay, so I was put on Zoloft. Finally, I gave in. He said, you'll be a, you'll be a better mom for your son is the reason I ended up going, going on it. And mm-hmm. now, fast forward all these years, I'm still on it. And I find out I have, you know, Hashimoto's. But looking back, connecting the dots, listening to my body, finding my root cause or trying to, I realize I've had, probably had hypothyroidism my whole life. My my mom has it and my sister had it. My mom never talked to me about it. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that is just so crazy. The fact that she has it and never really talked to me about it, and not even until after I was diagnosed so um, you know that's that was I was 40 something right so anyway I I think that had I been diagnosed sooner maybe had my hormones checked balanced maybe some vitamin and mineral deficiencies you know checked and and looked at I really think that maybe I could that I could have avoided starting Zoloft. Now I'm trying to wean off of it, and it's it's not very easy. It isn't, so I've been on it so long, but I don't want to be on it. If I have to be on it, I will, but I mm-hmm. prefer to try the natural route. But I believe in my heart of hearts, Isabella, that had they looked at some other things, which is a really big deal, medicine, like serious medicine every single day I've had, I didn't maybe have to take, that I've been taking, I mean, surely just some blood tests and blood work could have prevented it, and it, it's very frustrating, you know? You know, no, that, that brings me – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was <laughs> going to say, you know, I, I'm sorry to hear about that. that. That sounds very frustrating. Yeah. There's a lot It's there's a lot of people that are that are on um, – and is everyone okay? I'm, I'm not echoing or doing anything crazy, am I, because I'm on my cell phone. My phone literally died. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but <laughs> – um, so, Isabella, bring, because you are the expert, you are uh, the pharmacist, can you tell us and the listeners out there, um, you know, I know you're not against antidepressants per se. Is there a time or place when, when more testing, uh, more things need to be covered looking at someone with a thyroid disorder before you add an antidepressant? And also, um, you know, is there a time when it's beneficial that somebody 
should be on antidepressants as well as thyroid medication. Can you can you help us understand the relationship between those two a little bit better? You know, sure thing. So back back in maybe 2006, 2007, there was a big large-scale trial called the STAR-D trial. And what they basically did is they took different people with depression and then tried them on different antidepressants kind of like in the real world at a variety of different outpatient settings to try to see how people, you know, how much they were helped by the medications. And they found that about a third of the people who took antidepressants felt better, felt happier after taking them. But the other interesting thing they found is that a third of people actually felt better when they when they were given T3, which is a thyroid hormone, the more active thyroid hormone that you know, one of the medications is known as Cytomel, and it's also present in Armour, natural desiccated thyroid, as well as compounded thyroid medications, or some of them at least. And so this is very interesting because a lot of psychiatrists will actually look for a thyroid problem now that um, when a patient presents with depression because T3 is such an important hormone for having being in a good mood. So if somebody is already on a thyroid medication and if they're taking Synthroid or Levothyroxine, I would encourage them to talk to their doctor to see if maybe doing a medication that has a little bit of T3 like an Armour or a Natrothroid or adding Cytomel or, you know, having a compounded medication on board might actually make a difference because for some people, you know, it can make a big difference in how they feel just adding some T3 to the mix. Um, That would be one of the very first things I would look at of course, if somebody is already on a T3-containing medication, then I would want to make sure that they are at the optimal dose. Um, you know, everybody's going to be a little bit different, but on average, most patients say they feel best with a TSH between 0.5 and 2, and then they also, when they get their free T3 and free T4 hormone levels measured, those are in the upper part of the of the range. So that's kind of a rule of thumb. Of course, everybody's going to be a little bit different. But if you're somebody that's still struggling with, you know, depression or anxiety, and I know many people with thyroid disease are, those would be the first two things I would look at. As far as the other things that can be contribu- contributing would be looking at, um, you know, actually um, light therapy. Like B12? So, um, B12 would be great, too. So we can go into we can go into nutrients next. So some of the nutrients that may be missing in depression are going to be B12 and vitamin D, um, as well as sometimes iron may be an issue. Any kind of B vitamin, thiamine, those things I would definitely look at as a potential um, root cause for having poor energy levels or for having um, depression. Looking at getting enough selenium on board can be very helpful. For people who struggle with anxiety, I often would recommend, you know, getting selenium on board as well as balancing their blood sugar. So making sure that they have, um, for breakfast, they have something which has a lot of really good fat and proteins. So something like maybe, you know, eggs and avocados, if they're not sensitive, that would be an example of a really great breakfast for somebody, you know, go easy on the orange juice and go easy on any kind of starchy foods. And kind of, um, you know, adding some coconut oil into some water a few times a day, reducing your caffeine intake, these are all things that can help really stabilize the mood. I've seen major differences in my in my own anxiety levels and, and those of 
you know, clients and readers who basically just added some selenium and really made an effort to balance their blood sugar difference. and cut out caffeine. How about magnesium, Isabella? Do you think, you know, I worry a lot about when you read these people that are taking, you know, 20,000 IUs of, of vitamin D3 and, uh, you know, I know that magnesium is a critical piece to the thyroid and, and to uh, vitamin D metabolizing and everything. Do you think that magnesium, and it doesn't often get checked, sadly. It's not part of a, a regular panel. Yeah, you're totally right. And, and, you know, a lot of people are actually deficient in magnesium. Um, anytime, you know, one of the cardinal signs for me is if you have headaches, if you have some muscle pains, if you have trouble falling asleep, if you have constipation, those could be related to a magnesium deficiency. I like doing, you know, Epsom salt baths are a great way to absorb some magnesium or doing, um, you know, like a 500 milligram magnesium supplement at that time. Something like that may be very helpful for people. Um, the other important thing is with, you know, and Diana, you probably don't have that problem in Costa Rica, but those of us who live in multiple seasons, you know, looking at seasonal affective depression, so some people might actually have the winter blues because they don't get enough sunshine. So having a light therapy box, which basically shines blue light, is a very non-invasive way of feeling much better. You know, it doesn't have, um, you know, there may be some side effects of, of you know, it bothering your eyes if you look at it to, you know, you're not supposed to look directly at it. Um, but other right. than that, it's not going to have the big side effects of antidepressants. And for some people that can make huge difference in how they feel, especially if um, they're and prone to having can, the winter you blues. Can, you can take in almost uh, close to 20,000 IUs by like 15 minutes in indirect sunlight. Is that, I, I think that's uh, a fairly, you know, you can take in an awful lot of vitamin D just by being outside for a few minutes. Right, and so vitamin D is another one, and this is often deficient in autoimmune disease and thyroid disease. Making sure you have enough vitamin D on board can be helpful. Obviously, if you live somewhere like Chicago, where this time of year you're not going to see much sunshine, you might have to resort to having um, taking a supplement if you're, you know, if your spouse won't take you on a beach vacation. My first recommendation <laughs> is always a beach vacation, <laughs> um, but you know. Well, come Doesn't here. Happen. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> all you got to do is message me and tell me you're on the way, and I can set you up. I know all the deals. I know the great places and the deals. You just let me know if you need some sun. I'm your gal. Well, you should do a thyroid retreat for everybody every winter in Costa Rica. See, Dana? I, would, I would love it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Tiffany's been, been putting that in my ear. And I think I've even said it to you, Isabella, so maybe we'll have to talk about that in the future because uh, sunshine is good for everybody. It just makes you happy. It's it's kind of neat. It's interesting, too, that you say that because I have a friend that I met here in Costa Rica. She's from the States, but we met here, and she's from Oregon. And she messaged me and asked me, and she didn't have any thyroid problems or whatever, but she um, she does have some depression or, or did, and she said, Dana, what – I, I'm up here in Oregon, and this is, you know, although it's beautiful and cold and snowy, it's it's also gray, and I and I'm just up here just hating it. And she was trying to reacclimate mm -hmm. after moving back, and um, so I had her check, you know, I had her go to the doctor and check her vitamin levels, and and she was off B12. Her B12 was really low, and a few other things, but 
it's funny that you say that because it really it's really kind of very common. It, you you know you say it like seasonal affective disorder or whatever, and people are like, yeah, yeah, right. But it's true. Right. It really does happen to people, and a lot of that is vitamin mineral deficiency. So sometimes it can be an, an easy fix. At least for her, it was. So so that's a good thing. You know, and and I I believe I saw a study recently that talked about how people with thyroid disease and autoimmune disease are more prone to this. So this is another important thing. And sometimes you know, getting so out in the sunshine if you disorder? can. Mhm. Yeah, getting oh. out in the sunshine if you can, taking your vitamin D, doing fish oils, getting plenty of of um, you know good salmon, fatty fish, and getting the light therapy may be very very helpful. So just getting, you know, I think you can get a light therapy box on Amazon for under $100, or you can ask your doctor for a prescription, and it's a special kind of blue light, and people use it for maybe 15 minutes to 30 minutes a day. It can make a really big difference in how they feel. The, um, yeah, the other thing is, uh, not a lot of people want to hear this, but getting off of the gluten and dairy can make people feel <laughs> dramatically better. Um, that it can really change a person's whole mood. So, and those can um, actually drive anxiety, right, Isabella? They can they can literally, you know, uh, create people to have, you know, almost mini anxiety attacks. You know, a lot of times I see people uh, myself that, you know, will have these anxiety attacks. They're not all the time. And if you ask mm-hmm. them to track two hours after they eat and to look back, you know, I can see a lot with, like, sugar and gluten that will literally, you know, uh, trigger chewing of the fingernails or fingers or you know, uh, this intense, like, ticking or picking their hands or, uh, and, you know, you say, okay, so go, you know, a little bit without having it, and then all of a sudden they don't do that, and then they correlate that whole gut flora destruction and what they're eating to, to those, you know, um, bouts of anxiety. Do you find that, um, you know, do you find that as well? Absolutely. So gluten and dairy being the two biggest ones, soy is another third one, and then I, I also have an odd one that, um, I personally get affected with, but nuts actually make me nuts. <laughs> so oh, if wow. I have almonds or nuts, I get like teary-eyed and emotional the next few days after, and I'll have breakouts. And other than that, I you know I don't have those problems. But uh, I was able to make that connection with my own self. So looking at which foods are your friends and which foods are your enemies. So a lot of people will say almonds are very healthy. They're an excellent source of, you know, protein and good fats, but you have to really look at yourself and figure out which foods are triggering your problems. Dairy and gluten, of course, being the biggest ones. Well, Tiffany's the biggest proponent of saying, listen to your body. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. Just pay attention. You know, just like you said, a few minutes later after you ate, you you could feel, you know, if if sometimes if you'll just, you know, sometimes... It happens all the time where you eat something, you go to dinner and you eat something and you just, you, you get used to it, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Ladies, like you, get used to saying, you get used to saying, I don't feel very good or just unbuttoning your pants or just moving around in your seat, right? You just, you're so used to kind of being uncomfortable like after you eat, like I think growing up since nobody really had this gluten dairy connection or whatever, you just kind of had that and my husband has it. He has it a lot, and he doesn't really put two and two together. He's probably he's in the other room. He can hear me. I can't see him, <laughs> but he can't see me, so I'm going to say it. He doesn't put two and two together. He'll be like, 
I can't figure this out. I I have um, indigestion. And I'm over there just looking around thinking, well, I can help you figure it out, but he doesn't want me to because that's all I talk about is being healthy and all that kind of stuff. So you really, if you do listen to your body, it does tell you. It does. I mean, not you know, always. Is, Isabella, I've got to tell you guys a funny story real quick about a lady um, that I had, uh, that I was working with. And super great lady, ate fabulous. I mean, just there were so many things, but she really overdid the almonds. It was almond milk. It was almonds throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Almonds, 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 almonds. And um, anyways, I just it was a shot in the dark because there was not a whole lot there otherwise. And I said, you know what? Do me a favor. Just just go two days and don't do any almonds. And she said, well, almonds are healthy. They're full of protein and fiber, and, you know, almonds really get touted as a, as a big health food, so I, could, I can see the, you know, the misconception there. Anyways, long story short, so I was at the Big Bear Farmer's Market. She comes walking down, and she had looked very tired. She was a caregiver, so she was, of course, very drained and a lot going on there, but she comes walking down the farmer's market the next week, and she was wearing heels, and she looked amazing. <laughs> she looked amazing, and she, she comes up to the booth, and she's crying. And she's, I, I said, my God, what did you do? You look amazing. She says, I feel amazing. I stopped eating almonds. So when you said <laughs> almonds, like it gets touted, such a health food. But, you know, healthy is a perspective. It's perspective. Healthy for who? They're not healthy exactly. for you, Isabella. <laughs> and so they're not healthy for this woman. So that's exactly. why I love the way you drive the root cause. You tell people, pay attention, right? What's for A is not going to be for B. What's for B is not going to be for C. We're all so very, very different. Um, so mm-hmm. that was that was just very cool. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. It, it can really happen. It's really amazing. Um, some of the – and everybody has, you know, and not just one root cause, but there's different root causes. So some other reasons why a person may – be depressed or unhappy could be a dysbiosis or imbalance of good versus bad bacteria. So we talked about, you know, obviously getting off of sugar and trying to listen to your body as to what foods nourish it, but also doing something like probiotics and fermented foods can be very, very helpful with mood. Looking at whether or not you have a gene variation that prevents you from properly activating um, folic acid, the MTHFR gene, that can be, you know, that can be addressed with doing a specialty supplement. And sometimes people with having that gene mutation, they might have mood disturbances. So really, you know, trying to, I recommend for people to really get to know their body and get to know the condition that they're dealing with. You know, once you know the enemy, you can really um, know where to attack it and and how to overcome it. We have a great uh, question from, um, from Blythe Clifford. Isabella, you know, she really wants to know, so if it was your best friend that was diagnosed, what would be your top five tips to say, hey, make sure you're doing this or make sure they've tested this? What would be your top five tips that you would tell your best friend? You know, first and foremost, I would have them get off of gluten. That would be the very first thing that I would recommend is to make sure that they um, were not having this type of reaction then I would have them looking at um, nutrient deficiencies, so looking at whether they're deficient in B12 or selenium or ferritin and vitamin D, addressing those accordingly. Next step I would have them do is 
looking at whether or not they have. Wait, are we? Um, wait, hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are we taking notes, Tiffany? I want to make sure that we're taking notes because I, I want to, I want to know this later and I want to repeat it. And I don't know if you're taking notes or I'm supposed to be taking notes. You know what's great? Let me tell you, Dana. My good friend Dana from Costa Rica. We can listen to this archive and go back to it for all of our listeners and oh, Isabella out there. And okay, I am okay, going to okay, okay, study okay. this combo okay. like crazy, and I'll make you notes and an outline. You got it. No problem. Thank but yes, you. you can listen to okay. Isabella over and over and over again. Because I can oh, tell you, Isabella, there is not enough time in the day for us to get all the questions that we want. To ask okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, Isabella. Sometimes we do that. I apologize. Okay, okay. Back to what you were saying. I'm going to go back and listen to you over and over and over. Great. <laughs> that sounds good. Hopefully my my voice doesn't sound too squeaky. Um, so, so the next thing is going to be looking at what's triggering your condition. And I I want to have people be really conscious of what's in your environment. So looking at if you're living in a in a home that has mold in it, if you um you know looking going to see a holistic dentist to make sure that you don't have any kind of um, fillings or root canals that have become infected or abscesses, a lot of times you know things like that toxins can cause um, problems in your body, so they can actually trigger autoimmune disease. Hashimoto's is no different. Then looking at whether or not you have any kind of infections in your body, like hidden chronic infections. So um, one of the biggest ones is Epstein-Barr virus. You can have, if that's reactivated, that can be causing you a lot of symptoms, a lot of heartache. Looking at whether or not you have a gut infection. H. pylori is a particular gut infection that has been implicated in, you know, acid reflux and ulcers and a lot of different things but it's also recently been implicated in Hashimoto's. So if you have the genes to develop Hashimoto's and then you happen to get H. pylori, then the H. pylori can actually turn on the Hashimoto's. So what I recommend for people is to get tested for that and treat it appropriately if you do have it. Mm. Because in some cases, if you get rid of that infection, you know, in many cases you'll feel a lot better. In some cases, you can actually turn off the autoimmune response. Um, looking for any kind of other gut infections, yersinia, um, different types of protozoan parasites, anything that could be causing problems with your gut. The thing that I always want to stress for people um, is that Hashimoto's and every autoimmune condition is actually a condition of the gut. And you need three things in order for it to develop. You need to have the right genes, obviously. You need to have the triggers in place. And then you need to have the intestinal permeability. So um, the intestinal permeability is also known as leaky gut can be induced by foods or medications or it could be induced by, um, you know, pathogens. And those are some of the most common reasons that we see for people having that leaky gut. And if you can, you know, solve it, you can get your condition into remission many times. Um, a lot of times, you know, just about every time I, I'll give people different strategies and I'll do Surveys, 80% of people felt better once they went gluten-free. Um, another 50% of people felt better once they went dairy-free. A big percentage will feel better once they go autoimmune paleo. So, um, you know, after you've gone gluten-free, figuring out if you have any additional food triggers would be another recommendation I had. And then probably the fifth one is, especially if you suffer from acid reflux, would be to look at taking an acid um, supplement 
So taking something like betaine with pepsin can really help you digest your foods, and that can help you I feel... Take that, um, I take that now because of you, by the way. I ordered it on Amazon. I had somebody mule it down here just because of you. How about that? <laughs> that does it help? I'm glad to hear it that. Does. Does it help? It does. Yeah. It does help. My husband's like... Do, is it time to order more more of your vitamins again? I'm like, yep, it's time. Sorry. Blame Isabella. <laughs> Sorry. Right? <laughs> it does help. Yeah. It, you know, I've just seen so many people, and it really turned my energy levels around. So I went from being on thyroid medications and being gluten-free, and I think I was even on the paleo diet at the time, but I was still pretty tired. I was sleeping for maybe like 10, 11 hours a night and kind of like dragging myself out of bed. And then when I started taking the betaine with pepsin, it was, like, amazing. I would wake up after, like, eight hours of sleep with energy. And, you know, I was that really annoying morning person. I, I became that really annoying, like, energetic morning person, which I, I used to despise before that. And, and it, it can really turn your life around. And you really you you were having problems with uh, protein assimilation, right, Isabella, and malabsorption issues, which means you can be eating fabulous. But if there's not enough digestive acids there to break down uh, your foods, you're not going to be getting the nutrients that you need. Is that right? Because I think I read that in your book that that was, uh, you know, really sort of one of your aha moments, right? You know, absolutely, because you can be eating, you know, beef every night of the week and then you still might be iron deficient and you still might be B12 deficient. And you were saying to yourself, but I eat all of this stuff. Why am I still anemic? I'm eating all the right foods. And really, it's not what you eat, it's what you absorb. So if you're not absorbing your foods, then you're not getting any benefit from them. So definitely getting... that's pretty um, common in thyroid disorders. You know, um, when I used to work at the pharmacy, we used to have um, birth controls, birth control pills, thyroid medications, as well as acid reflux for some of our fastest mover medications, and I, you know, I didn't think twice about giving people thyroid medications with acid reflux medications. And, and I was on acid reflux medications for a few years before I was diagnosed. But when I actually went into the the research and all of the, you know, informa- current information out put together by scientists and doctors who are really at the cutting edge, they actually have found that people with an underactive thyroid, majority of them either have very low stomach acid or no stomach acid. And unfortunately, the symptoms can look identical to acid reflux. So a lot of people get diagnosed with acid reflux, and that makes things worse. It makes us develop more food sensitivities and makes us not absorb our nutrients, um, potentially increases the likelihood of having H. pylori or other gut infections. So actually, you know... And so many... Sorry, don't mean to interrupt you. So many drugs, you know, being a pharmacist, uh, so many of the medications that people take uh, for diabetes and amiprazole, antacids, uh, they cause uh, a lot of these nutrient deficiencies, particularly in the bees. Am I right? So, I mean, for people that are taking medications, birth control pills, they need to be making sure that those B levels are being tested, right? Absolutely. So definitely the B12 and all of the B vitamins. I would say if anybody's taking a birth control pill just to automatically take a B vitamin, be complex along with it because there's a really good chance you're going to be deficient in it. Um, and... With same thing with um, proton pump inhibitors like omeprazole and any of those kind of medications, and you know unless um, unless you have a really significant reason to have that proton pump inhibitor, like let's say you had a bleeding ulcer or something like that, I think it's 
medications are really great for that. But, you know, what we've seen in the last few years and having worked in public health, we would try to actually address the overuse of medications. And the proton pump inhibitors got flagged as medications that were overused because they weren't initially developed to be used for years and years and years. They were supposed to, you know, for short term, right. for short-term. helping people with, like, bleeding ulcers and surgery, which they, you know, save lives in that respect. But you know, I know we have a ton of people that have, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, a, a ton of people that have uh, anxiety and disorders, and I know that there's um, quite a few people. I have uh, some friends that work for mental health facilities, uh, and they see so much junk food um, and, and really understand that nutrient and mental health. But one thing I know um, that I wanted to bring up that doesn't get addressed very often is yeast issues and anxiety and depression and also the misdiagnosis of reactive hyperglycemia. I know um, Kelly Brogan talks about that a lot, but uh, what are your thoughts on on those two particular subjects, yeast and then the, the misdiagnosis of reactive hyperglycemics for bipolar? You know, those, yeah, those are two really big issues. So yeast can cause a lot of... Um, you know, symptoms of depression and anxiety in people and definitely cravings for sugar and things like that. And yeast overgrowth is very, very common in people who are on the standard American diet and people with Hashimoto. This is a very common thing I see. Uh, reactive hypoglycemia, you know, this is another big thing. And, and I actually have that as well. And so that goes back to really balancing the blood sugar because, yes. um, you know, you can feel quite awful when your body thinks you're hypoglycemic or you actually are hypoglycemic, you can feel really, really anxious. And you can feel like, you know, the world is coming to an end. So I, I've, that's why I always recommend as one of the very first steps for people is um, looking at balancing their blood sugar. So making sure that for breakfast they're eating plenty of good fats with, um, you know, I would do like coconut milk, avocado, I have um, actually have a recipe on my website. It's a smoothie recipe that is uh, um, one of the smoothie smoothies that I recommend, and it's a basically a green smoothie where you would have um, coconut milk, some uh, maybe some pea protein, avocado, and then you mix that up, and, and that really sets you up for the whole day of just being very even keel and um, balancing your blood sugar. One of the things that you know not a lot of people are aware of, but different food, um, different macromolecules have a different burn rate in the body. So carbohydrates burn through your body within like 45 minutes to an hour and um, proteins about two to three hours. And if you eat fats, that's about, that's going to be about four hours. So eating fats is going to keep you full and your blood sugar stable for much longer than if you were to eat carbohydrates. Um, a lot of times people will say if they eat too many, one of the symptoms of having too many t- carbohydrates is, is becoming hangry, where you're so hungry that you get hangry. really angry. Hangry, hangry. I love it. Now, as mm-hmm. a note, people with adrenal problems, though, also, um, you know, carbohydrates get vilified so bad. But for a lot of people that have insulin resistance or adrenal problems, carbohydrates can actually uh, help them with energy, correct? A lot of people that go paleo that have adrenal issues will find that they're very, very tired. Isabella, do you find that as well in a lot of your um, clients? And you, 
Yeah, and one of the things that I always recommend is making sure that you get you're properly digesting the protein food foods. So one of the reasons they could be tired is not actually due to the carbohydrate lack of carbohydrates, but it could be because they're not digesting all the protein. So making okay. sure that they're on a really good digestive enzyme once they start paleo and taking the betaine with pepsin with any kind of meats because uh, meats are very, very difficult on the digestive system if you don't have any um, stomach down. acid on board. So that would be the very first thing I would recommend. And, yeah, and some people, you know, everybody is, is a little bit different and some people are going to need more carbohydrates. Um, one of the suggested remedies for um, balancing carbohydrate intake if you have adrenal issues from uh, my friend Dr. Alan Christensen is actually doing more carbohydrates in the evening. Um, so cycling your carbohydrates where in the morning you start off with not having hardly any carbohydrates and you have a little bit more at lunch and then in the evening you would have the most of the carbohydrates. Oh, very interesting. That's wow, very interesting. that is so interesting because I, I think you know I, I suffer from, from adrenal fatigue. I don't, I don't know if you knew that or not, Isabella, but um, I do. So that is very interesting because Tiffany and I were talking earlier about what my diet should be post and pre radio show and we were talking we were talking about and of course you know my husband rolls his eyes because you know he's on um, cooking duty so um but we were talking about incorporating incorporating carbohydrates to um to to balance so that's very interesting to hear and i did see his is it adrenal reset i did see it i didn't get mm-hmm. it but i did see that so that's that's what that came from um that's very interesting to know because, you know, the other night I did have kind of all carbs for dinner and I was going, hmm, well, I had some protein and then a couple carbs and I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if this is what I should be eating. So now I'm feeling pretty good about it. So that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, and it's always <laughs> going to be different people can make recommendations, but it's always going to be you listening to your body because you know yourself best and you need to, um, I, I believe in taking a diet and tailoring it to your needs. And not necessarily, you know, start off with what everybody recommends and then see how you need to adjust it. So maybe maybe you need more greens. Maybe you need to have more salads because you're in a very warm climate. Or maybe you need to take some digestive enzymes because your body, for some reason, is not assimilating the different nutrients from the foods that you're eating. That's, that's I do. I also take, I just got the, a new bottle of the digestive enzymes that you, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's the one you recommend recommend a new book and no no that's not the one what's the one you recommend Isabella? i can't remember is it betaine with pepsin yeah i I take that but then you also recommend some digestive enzymes right systemic enzymes yeah enzymes yep yep i just can't remember what what the name i can't remember (laughs) the name of which one it is i can't remember but i just got it the other day, and I I did I noticed a difference. So I wanted to I wanted to jump in real quick, if you don't mind, ladies, and just tell you, you know, we've got this great team we were talking about, and we have a thread that we all follow, and it's so amazing. This is such a neat forum for for this for me because I'm sitting here, and as we're talking, and you're answering questions and going through things, all the all the team is commenting, and. And it's so neat to see, you know, one person saying, you know, Melissa's saying, well, I can't eat much fruit. And then someone else is saying, well, I can't do this or I have tummy issues or or, that works for me too. Or it's just, it's so neat to see, you know, 
at least we so can different. pull with our yeah. yeah, to pull with our team, we can get just a little bit and it's all a variety. Everybody's all different. So you really do have to tailor it. So when when you were um a quick question, when you were doing your healing or or right now, I mean, for you, not for everybody else, for you, is there any kind of you know, cheat food that is okay for you. I'm just, I'm just wondering because Tiffany had a, a, an experience the other day with a with a cheat food and it didn't work so well. But is there anything that you are able to do that you didn't think you were able to do? You know, um, a bread product or anything like that, Isabella. I just, I'm just wondering. As you got you know, better, in other words, foods you yeah. couldn't eat before that maybe now you can can eat now that you're, you know, you know, right better. You know, to be honest with you, I'm still kind of um, strict with my diet because I, I'm i so busy with trying to get the knowledge out that I get really nervous about trying new foods. But I actually did, I was able to, I do my food sensitivity testing every year. And last year I came out that I was no longer, um, I used to be very, very dairy sensitive and very gluten sensitive. And now I came back not gluten sensitive and then borderline dairy sensitive and I didn't purposefully challenge myself, but I had a couple of accidental ingestions, and you know, and I was fine with them. So um, the dairy, I didn't have any kind of reaction, and then the gluten, I just had very light bloating. Where back, you know, back in the day, I would have been out for like four days of feeling horrible. And you know, now nowadays I can tolerate most grains and things like that. But I still, you know, I still really love the way I eat. So I. I used to eat like sugar for breakfast, lunch, and dinner before um, I was diagnosed. So I actually I'm very grateful for um, for figuring out that I wasn't properly nourishing my body. And and now I'm like you know I eat a lot of really great salads and eat a lot of really great vegetables, um, green smoothies, and I really really love eating a nutrient dense diet. If um, you know I will have things I'll, if I go out to dinner or something like that, I still avoid gluten and dairy. But, you know, I'll have grains or other things like that. And then I can tolerate so, them. But I, I try not to overdo it. Um, chips, like the gluten-free, dairy-free chips with a lot of salt. And if I have stressful days, those those are kind of, I guess, my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I love that. If I'm traveling. See, mm-hmm. see Isabella Wentz, she's just like everybody else. She has guilty pleasures, just like us. You know, if you, there's... There's a few things that, you know, some people just, you know, get to throw in their day, and she does it too. So it makes us all feel a little bit more more real, and, and you know, that's part of what we're we're doing here. So I'm glad to know that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, and, and the goal is not to get people, like, food obsessed, but it's basically to get people to listen to their own bodies, and as they go through healing, they're going to be able to tolerate more and more foods. Absolutely. And the, mm-hmm, the systemic enzymes can really help with that. That's a that is a great point, and the protein too. Um, with those, that was that's a really really important. You know, malabsorption is a is a big issue that can actually cause the cascade of of you know the onslaught of thyroid disorders that that come in. We have Absolutely. a question by Sarah. Sarah mm-hmm. Downing, are there any Hi. statistics about what percentage of thyroid patients actually have untreated thyroid disease or like misdiagnosed? psychotic disorders. I know you said that a lot of psychiatrists now are starting to test for nutrient deficiencies and, and thyroid disorders before prescribing. Uh, but is there any statistics like that, you know, 
you're within that medical community, um, you know, does it seem like uh, that's a fairly high percentage? You know, unfortunately, um, I don't know any statistics off offhand that I could share with you guys as far as um, who is undi- undiagnosed, but I can tell you that people who are on lithium, lithium can actually be toxic to the thyroid, so they're more likely to get Hashimoto's, and there have been studies that were done in people who felt unwell and were anxious, and the rates of Hashimoto's were higher in those people compared to the general population. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I kind of get I get OCD about having numbers and not making them up, so <laughs> um, I can get back to you guys on that. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm going to post your smoothie link on the archive. So if you do have some statistics and um, you want to send them back to me, that would be great. I'll just post them with that. It's not no big deal, but it w- it just would be kind of interesting to know, Isabella, if there's mm-hmm. if you can find that out. Yeah, definitely. We'll get you know, you one farm, pharmaceutical question for you. I- I'm sorry. We you know I know we have quite a few people that that you know are here you know with the mental health aspect and uh, do you feel that time release T3 is more beneficial uh, or, you know, what are your feelings on uh, compounded medications uh, and time-release time T3 and things like that? How do you feel, uh, you know, knowing all the stats behind those medications? Do you have, do you feel one way or another with that? You know, here's what I found. Um, a lot of people do really well on T4, T3 combination medications like the Armour Natural Desiccated Thyroid that a small percentage of people will actually have um, an increase in the autoimmune attack by taking those medications. And in those cases, and for, you know, whatever other, there may be other reasons like not having the right ratio or not wanting the specific fillers or just wanting to have more of a, you know, um, not a animal-derived product. And that's what I would recommend working with a compounding pharmacist to get compounded T4, T3 medications. There's a few different protocols. One of my friends, Bob Wasecki, he's a pharmacist. He developed his own protocol where he uses time-release um, T3 for his um, for his patients in accordance with their doctors. And he's found a lot of success with that particular protocol. The, it's called the Lasecki-Snyder protocol. I have a blog post about it on my website. Um, so that's one thing that I found uh, for, helpful for some people, but I will caution people that a lot of people with Hashimoto's who have a lot of the gut issues and the absorption issues, they might actually have trouble absorbing the suspended release product if it has a filler called methicel. And methicel is basically a suspending agents, agent that pharmacists use to make it, you know, release in the body slower. And so um, sometimes for people with the leaky gut, intestinal permeability, this can be a big issue and they may hardly absorb any of the medication if you know if any at all that is that's i've never heard of that that's that's new information to me you tiffany no yeah no uh you know when i was going through my head you know i'm thinking i'm wondering if if the pharmaceutical community is is taking any kind of um you know are they starting to recognize the gut flora i know in your book you mention a lot about antibiotics use being part of uh, the gut floor destruction that sort of tipped that cascade uh, for you. But are they becoming any more aware of the gut flora and the need for probiotics when when antibiotics are prescribed and things like that and, and really kind of giving, you know, so many people 
count on their pharmacist to tell them, you know, hey, well, you know, you might want to take a round of probiotics with this antibiotic, or do you think they're becoming any more aware uh, of that whole link with chronic illness? That the, the That's so interesting. What a great you question. Know, I, That's so interesting. I think it's definitely moving in the right direction. It's not quite where we'd like it to be. And things change very slowly in medicine, unfortunately. So when you think about the average pharmacist or the average internist, they're probably going to be in their 40s or 50s, and they went to, you know, pharmacy school, medical school, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So they're not really going to be as up-to-date on the current research. So they might, if they go to a continuing education event specific on the topic, they may be more aware of it. You know, I know we had the... With the Illinois Pharmacist Association, we would often have different topics and the pharmacists that went ahead and kept up with it, they would know that they need to be recommending probiotics, but, it, you know, these things are, it's not like it's a required thing. The average clinician may be required to do, you know, 30 to 100 hours of continuing education every year, and they get to pick and choose what they want to learn about. So it's not like every every pharmacist or every clinician gets every medical doctor gets a text message alert that says mm. hey we're recommending <laughs> probiotics that don't we nice. wish right <laughs> yeah really we need more <laughs> isabella winces out there oh very much so <laughs> you know we i i noticed that you wrote um and you and you can see isabella we're going over a little bit is that okay with you mm-hmm. it's okay i'm, I'm enjoying talking oh. with you ladies oh me oh, great too. We want to know how your lovely mother pronounce. How how do you pronounce your mother's last name? Novosatska. Ah, I would have I, was, I would have butchered that, Dana. <laughs> no, see, and I was going to ask my friend Anna, and I forgot all about it, and I was going to practice it, and I was going to have it down <laughs> pat so I could say it, and Isabella was going to be like, "Wow, how'd she do that?" Right? But yeah, well, I forgot, so I blew it. So oh, for the listeners out even thinking about trying. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, no, I yeah. My last name is Mladenich. I married a Yugoslav, so I, I I and I was like I was trying to pronounce it. I'm like Dana. I am just gonna. I, I you can't. There's no way. But I wanted to mention uh, that you you have uh, you authored the book, of course, um, and then your mother. You say with your mother on there, who was a physician, an MD. And I can't tell you how heartwarming that was for me uh, with my personal story. Uh, my mother, of course, became demented from years of an uncontrolled thyroid disorder, and then, uh, you know, it just was on from there. But how really uh, neat that was that, that your mother was on the book with you, and I imagine she was, you know, I read within your book that, that she's really been such an enormous advocate for you and, and, and a resource also. So tell us a little bit about your mom also. Oh, my gosh. My mom is just amazing. I've looked up to her ever since I was a little girl. I wanted to be her, and she, she's just an amazing person. She's always been so supportive of of me and my brother, and, um, you know, she worked as a medical doctor and found time to take care of us and take us to school and help us learn things, and I, I just, you know, I... When I got diagnosed, it was like she was diagnosed too, and she and I basically were on this journey together, and she's the one that really encouraged me to write the book and get my message out about all of the things that I was doing that were helping so that we can help my cousins in Poland. 
And my mom actually translated the book into Polish. It's available now in Poland. Um, yeah, I I love her. She's amazing. That's, that, uh, that is that very is, cool. Uh, it just made me, like, teary. Like, that's – you're going to have to help me, Tiffany. That That's that's really cool, Isabella. That's, so how, that's a really I neat story. I'm, I'm, very lucky. I'm very blessed. I have an amazing mom and dad and brother, um, sister-in-law, who both – Went paleo. My husband is 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 just super supportive. You guys may know him as Hashimoto's husband. So he mm-hmm. goes out of way to support me. My in-laws, you know, made me a special gluten-free turkey when I, whenever I come to visit. So I, I've just been <laughs> very lucky to have the amazingly supportive people in my life. And to just go back to the beginning of the phone call, you mentioned that your mom. You know, does the subject ever come up between you and your mom? Uh, I remember you mentioning that your mother took you to an endocrinologist when yeah. you were young. She had, she had some suspicion that this was uh, potentially a problem for you a long time ago. She did, you know. So she was, um, she was trained in pediatrics, and she had a suspicion that something was off with with my thyroid. And she just, she always kept a really good eye on me and made sure that I was getting. Um, you know, proper food and vitamins and nutrients on board. I actually, um, I actually didn't, when I was little, I didn't, um, apparently I didn't want to eat things. So she went and ordered special different kind of, um, you know, banana based cereals and things for me so that, that I can, um, you know, feel better. And probably maybe it was a gluten or dairy sensitivity, even at a really young age. And my mom just always has been there for me. And, um, you know, was always on the lookout for me. I, I couldn't ask for a better mom. <laughs> really. You have That's to remember if they tested your antibodies, because I know Melissa, who's who's uh, one of our amazing women. Um, she was she wanted to make it very apparent to people that antibodies are so critical, even if your thyroid is within a normal range, because antibodies in and of themselves can cause mental health issues before the thyroid actually takes a tank and falls in a treatable range. But do you remember if your mom, if you had had your antibodies tested or was it strictly just a thyroid panel most likely? You know, so, yeah, my mom and I had this conversation many times over. And when I was, I guess I was 10 or 11 years old, probably somewhere under 13, when we had this test. And all they tested was my TSH and mm. I was euthyroid at the time. So I wasn't tested for for the antibodies and yeah, absolutely. So the antibodies can be elevated for decades before somebody has a change in TSH. And antibodies alone have been implicated in feelings of, you know, anxiety, depression, like a general sense of something not being um, not being good or something, just feeling unwell. And that, that can be correlated just with having the antibodies. Hmm. I think, so I, think I'm I didn't go. have mine tested. A key there is selenium. Not- you yes. did not have them tested? Is that what you said? I'm sorry, I missed that. Did not. I didn't, no, not as a child. No. I didn't get them tested until right before I was diagnosed or when I was diagnosed is when I got them tested. When I, I was think you have any kind of... We're all, like, <laughs> want to talk at the same time. Yay! No, um, I was going to ask you if, um, was there any kind of diagnosis when you were young? No, I didn't have any diagnosis. They basically told me that I was just growing. Wow. And wow. that was it. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's a multi-million dollar question for so many people. <laughs> looking back and right. going, did I have antibodies during that period of time? You know, just going, was I? Did I go two thousand a hundred five zero three thousand four hundred like? Throughout my lifetime, for me, that is a multi-million dollar question. <laughs> Where were the antibodies all of these years? What were they at? You well, know? well, and Melissa just Melissa just posted that same thing. She, um, Melissa Phipps, just said, you know, ask about, you know, to make sure that the antibody test is done regularly, so you can continue to bring them down and to monitor. You know, like like you just, what a great <laughs> thought, right? That mm-hmm. seems so simple, but. People aren't aren't thinking to do that. I think that's a great point. Yeah, you know, and go ahead. Sorry, I said definitely. That's in my book. I recommend testing every three months or so and working on getting those antibodies down. That's that's one of the big things that I recommend is is getting your own immune system to stop recognizing your thyroid as an enemy. And that that's kind of the passion of my work is trying to get people into remission from the condition and and get them to start feeling better and reduce the attack on their thyroid. And, okay, uh, just a couple, money, just, Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Jen. I was just going to say, uh, just a couple more minutes. I know we've, we've taken up Isabella Sunday, so just a couple more minutes. Um, I know Tiffany has something she wants to say, and I was going to ask a really quick question that Laura Schooneman mentioned. She says, let me scroll back up. She says, why do, did we cover this? I don't know, brain fog moment. Why do antibodies play a role in depression or brain fog? Why? You know, um, I'm not sure exactly as to why. I could tell you why I think it is. The research hasn't really, they've just correlated the two. But basically, in my opinion, it it's something is off in your immune system and your body basically, it, it's a feedback mechanism where they see, um, you know, the way I think of, of a thyroid disease or any kind of autoimmune disease is that for whatever reason, your 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 body senses there's danger in the world around you. So whether that's a toxin or famine or you have an infection and the body is trying to kind of um, slow you down, which in essence hypothyroidism hypothyroidism slows things down for us. Um, And then there's this basically feedback system between, you know, whenever you have certain immune markers elevated, then your neurotransmitters might be sensing this. You know, our body is, it, it, you know, they, our different chemicals talk to one another, and this can be kind of the the big picture overview of why that happens. On um, a more thyroid-based scale, you know, you can have the breakdown of thyroid tissue when you have these antibodies, and that can cause little spikes in anxiety. So when you have higher, greater amounts of thyroid hormone, you know, we all know that the one of the symptoms of hyperthyroidism is agitation, anxiety, um, feelings of unwell and, and just feeling, whole, you know, not feeling very good mentally. And so that this can happen as the thyroid gland gets attacked, you know, little packets of thyroid hormone get dropped into the bloodstream and you have these little agitation spikes and anxiety spikes and, you know, feeling of unwell spikes. And then maybe that... Um, the body works to eliminate that thyroid excess thyroid hormone and then maybe it eliminates too much or maybe your thyroid gland doesn't produce enough enough and then you get some of the some of the lows of thy, of not having enough thyroid hormone which of course have been implicated with depression so that's kind of the you said that 
you said that, that in such a, a good layman's way. That absolutely made sense to me. So I uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that, Isabella, for talking you know, about my, my level. <laughs> I want to quote Melissa for all of our uh, mental health listeners out there. Uh, her quote is, I was told I'd never be off them, and I was on a high dose. I'm no longer on any, and I feel 100%, whereas on meds, I always felt ill, just functioning ill. And she would love to hear your thoughts on that, Isabella. So it would really people are not, it, it's not a forever situation, uh, antidepressants, correct? Yeah, and I just want to say congratulations to Melissa for figuring out what was going on with your body and for being an advocate for yourself and now for helping everybody else in the world to um, know about all of these things that have the big thyroid mental health connection. Um, I have been, you know, I worked in mental health or as a consultant pharmacist for a little while before I um, was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And, yeah, that was one of the stories that, we often told people if they had bipolar disorder or if they had schizophrenia that they were going to be on medications pretty much lifelong. With depression, it was going to be for a few years, and chances are that they were going to relapse and they were going to need to be on um, antidepressants for lifelong as well. But it's absolutely possible to get off of these antidepressants and antipsychotic medications if you figure out your underlying triggers. And Hashimoto's and getting on thyroid medications or, you know, getting off of gluten and figuring out what the leaks in your body are, imbalances in your body can really make a tremendous difference. And I've seen lots of people getting off of psychotropic medications because they got their thyroid optimized. So it's absolutely possible. The key is the and root cause, like your book, the root cause. That's right. Absolutely. And, and, Always look for the root and, cause. And how, and, and how wonderful being able to come to that after, you know, your schooling and everything told you to go this direction and now to be where you're at, to see it kind of come full circle to where you're telling people this one thing and now you're you're learning more and you're at this spot. I mean, what a wonderful feeling that must be for you, Isabella. Mm-hmm. I have my thyroid to thank for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and, right, and to and document her- it in a, as a resource guide for people. Your book is, is a resource for all I mean, it's just the amount of information that you cover in there to me is a priceless. It's priceless. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really glad that it's helping people. I really like when I came out with it, I just wanted to get the message out. And I thought being a pharmacist and I was, you know, a credible pharmacist that people would actually listen to it and, and look at it and be like, hey, you know, she actually has a science background. And, you know, like I, I didn't want to, I really wanted to change the way that thyroid disease and autoimmune thyroid disease was looked at. I didn't want people just to think that they needed to be on medications and that's it because there's so many different things that can trigger the condition. And if you don't address them, you can just continue getting worse. Um, But if you do address them, you can really change your life for so much better and you, you know, you can feel better than you ever did before if you implement some of the lifestyle changes like, you know, the blood sugar balancing, the gluten-free diet, um, going dairy-free in some cases, different types of supplements. And, um, yeah, I'm just really glad that I can share this information with everybody so to get them better. It's a dream come true. 
Mm, true inspiration you are, Madame. Thank you, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, we ran a little bit over, but we just wanted to talk to you, so we thank you very much. For those of you that tuned in late, just to make sure you know, we are speaking or are speaking with Dr. Isabella Wentz. She is the author of the amazing Hashimoto's Thyroiditis Lifestyle Intervention for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. Isabella, is there anything you want to share about how our listeners can uh, find you, all the different ways they can find you? I'm sure everybody knows you, but just for those who don't. You know, I'd love for them to follow me on Facebook. It's um, facebook.com slash thyroid lifestyle. And also to sign up for um, for my, my website, thyroidpharmacist.com. Um, if you go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash gift, Basically, you can get a gluten-free quick start guide. You can get the nutrient depletion and digestion chapter of my book that goes over all of the different nutrients we talked about and the butane with pepsin. And then it gives people just some recipes to get them started. And I try to write new um, articles every week or so and share new research and new kind of cool things that are happening um, that will help people with, um, with Hashimoto's. So um, I hope to see you there. Thank you so much, um, Dana and Tiffany, for having me on, and thank you for the work that you're doing. It's been such a pleasure. Very, very much so. Thank you so, so much. And we'll be back to you sometime soon about our possible uh, Costa Rican trip uh, in a few years. So y'all be (laughs) looking out for that. Don't worry. And even if y'all aren't invited, Tiffany and Isabella and I are going to have a great time. So we'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we really we're going to let you go, but thank you for hanging out with us. Thank we you really, so really, much. really appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you, ladies. Have a great day, and thank you to everybody that's listening. Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. We bye-bye. also want to take bye bye. Thank you. We also want to take the time to to thank all of our listeners uh, and taking the time out on your Sunday uh, to hang out with us, and and especially Isabella. That was just uh, amazing. Not enough time, huh, Dana? There's just not enough time in the day to talk with people like Isabella. (laughs) It goes by so fast. And every time we talk about taking callers, and and we're going to work it out where we get this down pat, you guys, so that we can eventually take callers and and be a little bit more fluid in in how we deliver all of this. But it just goes by fast. And thanks for being patient. Being patient with us making changes and you know, uh, getting more specific with people and, and like Dana said, fitting in callers and stuff like that. Um, it's second show and we're really working out all the kinks and trying to fit it in a, in a, in a specific period of time is hard. It is. And, and we're not radio people. And, and so, you know, it's a, it's a new territory for us. We are paving the way. So we are. All right, let's, so tell us about let's, next week, um, Dana. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. We, Okay, so next week we have Dr. Nicholas Hedberg. He is wonderful, and I love his articles, and you can find a ton of them on my website because I think he's fabulous, and I'm one of those pay-it-forward kind of people, and that's what we do on Thyroid Nation. We pay it forward. He is the author of The Thyroid Alternative, but he also has a new book due out in April. It's The Complete Thyroid Health and Diet Guide, and those, there are two or three, I don't remember, um, as part of the uh, Great Gift Giveaway. So you can win one of his books that has not yet been released. If you go to thyroidnation.com and enter, there's a little picture at the top that says Great Gift Giveaway, or you can find it 
on my Facebook. I've been posting about it, and it's also at the top. Um, he's also written, just just a quick little note, he also wrote a wonderful, fabulous article about the thyroid hormone imbalance and adrenal pancreas access. And I actually have that article on my site. There's a picture of me. Uh, I only have this one picture and an article picture. But it is a really great read for those of you who have adrenal issues. If you want to go on there and find it, his name is spelled H-E-D-B-E-R-G, Dr. Hedberg, and you can search and find it. It's Fabulous article. Okay. B-U-R-G, right? It's B-U-R-G? Is it B? I think it's B-E? I think it's B-E-R-G. Oh, no, we're going to have to look it up, ladies and gentlemen. You're just going to have to give us a minute. So while Dan is looking that up, make sure to follow Thyroid Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, hey, if you've got a thyroid driver story, we love that. Dan loves that. And you can help us raise awareness by submitting your story directly on the ThyroidNation.com site. Thyroid Thrivers, uh, submit your story. Even if you're not completely well yet, Dana and I really want people to understand that thriving is a continual journey. We are never, ever done. We need to continually check in. And so even if you're not completely thriving yet, per se, and you're doing well and you have accountings of things that worked and didn't work, we want to know about that. Um, we all learn so much from everybody's journeys, even the things that didn't work. Um, and you may even get chosen to appear live on Thyroid Nation Radio. That'd be kind of cool. We are going to have a, a few um, upcoming Thrivers, and I, I didn't get to mention that last week, but Michelle is a Thyroid Thriver. She is on the Thyroid Thrivers page, thyroidnation.com slash thyroidthrivers. And so is Sarah Downing. She's one. And a few of our, let's see, Raina has a story. Mer, let's see, um, Melissa has a story. Who else? Laura Schumann. No, she didn't have one. Um, tell me the people who have stories. I can't remember. There's four or five of the team that have stories on there, so you guys can search for them. Fabulous stories to get to know them a little bit better. But it isn't about thriving, per se. It's really just about your journey. And I have a perfect example. You're going to see a story in the next couple of weeks that comes out that I am I was going to post and share, but the story has changed. And I was in touch with the woman today and uh, and yesterday, and her story actually affected me, and it's affected the way I'm looking at things. She's like, are you sure we should add this? And I'm thinking this is exactly what we need to be sharing so that people can be going, oh, and take a, a step back and do a double check on what they're doing because here I am just going along, taking my compounded T3, T4, not feeling great. I'm still it, on my journey. And it, it helps may not those be the answer moments. for me. Yeah. yeah. It may not yeah. be the answer for me. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. I know T4, the levothyroxine, did not work for me. But that doesn't mean that maybe Tyrosent doesn't work for me or right. Right, right. something else. Oh, that's so true. Right? Yes. Or, or maybe just a T3. or I mean, who knows? And it was just like this aha moment of, you know what? That is exactly what we need. And she said, well, I'm not right. quite thriving yet. And I was like, that is really, really not what it's about. So I'll be sharing that with you in a couple of weeks coming up. Um, and it is Hedberg, H-E-D-B-E-R-G, Dr. Nicholas Hedberg. So, and you can find him at drhedberg.com, drhedberg.com. And he's going, on, he's going to be on next week. So you guys need to tune in. Definitely check out his article on my site and the articles on his site and sign up to win. You could possibly be the winner of one of his uh, books. So that's all exciting. What else? Are we, are we almost done? 
I'm thinking so. Okay. All right. Well, let's end this thing. Join our nation next week. This is Dana, your gringa thyroid tika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany with GratefulGarden.biz. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye now.